Hi and welcome to the Eat Move Live 52 podcast. Today, Roland and I are talking about all-day movement and the strategies that you can employ to become a dynamic mover. Hi everyone, we're super excited to be talking to you today about all-day movement and why all-day movement is so incredibly important. I am standing here with Roland and uh, it's a nice Sunday morning here. We've had pumpkin spice everything for breakfast and lunch and we're ready to go. Yeah, if you sense a little bit of uh, extra special holiday spirit, it's because of the homeopathic dose of pumpkin spice that's infused the whole house and probably the microphone. Probably the microphone. This microphone looks extra special just because it's enjoying some of that pumpkin spice goodness. Pumpkin spice podcast. Here we go. Here we go. What was this thing that you showed me yesterday? Um, it was a discussion somewhere on the intranets about what's the weirdest pumpkin spice thing you've seen this season. My friend Amy posted something. What's the weirdest pumpkin spice thing you've seen? And somebody posted a picture of like a, a tire and muffler shop that said, um, they're back, pumpkin spice brake pads. <laughs> That's fantastic. I'm just enjoying, you know, we went to our local health food store just last Sunday to buy some uh, non-homogenized milk out of all things because I was making some homemade yogurt. and um, Not pumpkin spice milk? Not pumpkin spice milk. But I... I took their brochure with their fall products and it was like 40 some products with pumpkin spice in them yeah, it was like a three page like a three physical pages so six sides brochure flyer and like everything was like it was pumpkin spice pumpkin flavored things and spice flavored things so like it, like everything like any combination like if you had a complaint that this doesn't have enough pumpkin in it you, they've got something for you it's not enough, not enough pumpkin spice for you they've got that for you it was everything yeah so it's fantastic this season is what was the here? weirdest thing you saw oh my god i think the weirdest thing i saw is always that pumpkin pasta sauce Oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, who who even eats that? That is <laughs> so bizarre. Sauce, yeah. Can't wait to put put some pumpkin on my pasta. And there was some sort of a drink, like a soda, pumpkin spice kombucha or something oh, like that. Something gross, yeah. something gross. But anyways, we have pumpkin spice everything in the house right now. We actually have some actual pumpkins that I cooked a couple of days ago. So everything's smelling nice and ready on a Sunday. And we are here talking to you about all day movement strategies and why it's so important to move all day. And if you've been with us, read the book, been on the podcast before, or you're part of the Facebook group, or read anything that we ever post about movement and exercise, you know how passionate we are about spreading this message that it's not enough just to exercise. You've heard it so many times. You're probably moving right now. Yeah. There's so many articles and uh, scientific research being done on the prolonged negative effects of sitting. And they are many. They are legion. They're a legion. You're in a, you're in a funky <laughs> mood today. I love that. Fun mood. So we know that if you sit, and especially if you sit more than six hours a day for your job or for anything, you could be sitting for entertainment. You can be sitting and watching a movie. That's still counting as sitting, even though you're not working. If you're sitting more than six hours a day, your chance of developing 
metabolic or cardiovascular disease goes up significantly. And if you're sitting a lot for your job, week after week and month after month and year after year, that really builds up. And um, studies are showing that the longer you sit, the worse it is. So the longer these bouts of sitting are. And, and so then, not necessarily just the total number of hours you sit in a day, but the, the but each time you take, you take a seat, how long do you stay in that position, stay in that chair? So it matters if you're sitting for 20 minutes and get up or you sit for a two-hour nonstop stretch. Yeah. So yeah. the longer you're sitting, the more likely it is that the effects on your cardiovascular system, on your metabolic health, on fat-burning hormones um, will be increased. So the longer, the worse. It's an actual direct relationship there. Now, something that we know that we didn't know a few years ago is that exercise does not negate those effects. So we used to think that, well, if I just go to the gym three times a week or if I'm playing basketball with the guys after work, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, then I'm fine. And you might not be overweight and think you're fine, fine in air quotes that you can't see. But in fact, we know now that in all these studies, when they equate for exercise and they see does exercise make a difference on your risk of death and developing all these um, diseases of captivity or diseases of modern life, we see that it actually doesn't make a difference. So before we used to talk about being sedentary and now we have this whole new category called active sedentary. Yeah, and I think one of the parts of confusion where this comes from is from the fitness industry where people are primarily trying to lose weight. So you would go and you would fill out this calculator online or in the back of your fitness book, and it asks you to, in order to figure out your calorie burn, what level of activity do you have on any given day? So it would say um, very active, athletic, um, they're not in this active, particular lightly order, active, yeah. sedentary, right? And, and then it would kind of give a little bit of a description. And while those things are fairly accurate, they're only accurate from the amount of calories you burn, mm. not for, they, they don't take into any health considerations or muscle stiffness or any of the other things that come from the benefits of moving around more frequently. That is actually a really important point because if we measure the effects of exercise, there might still be beneficial effects of exercise, but over a long haul, they might not add up to negate the negative effects of sitting if you are sitting so long. So you almost have these two opposing forces. You have the force of um, deliberate exercise. Say you go to the gym three times a week or you play basketball with your buddies, which would be our examples here, or you go swimming. And then you have the prolonged sitting periods, which are kind of directly going against that. So mm -hmm. while exercise might be beneficial, maybe what we're going to be seeing in studies um, in the future is that it does take a much longer um, effort to combat the long period of sitting. Because if you think about if you're sitting eight hours a day and you do that five, hour, five days a week, you're looking at 40 hours. Nobody does 40 hours of exercise because right. there's not that many hours in a week. And so I'm not surprised that we're seeing that when they all things being equal when they take exercise out, the exercising population doesn't have a benefit to the point where it's preventing them from developing these diseases or dying. And Roland's favorite cause of dying is all-cause mortality. That's the worst way to die. Yep. So all-cause mortality doesn't get changed by exercising per se. Yeah. 
Exactly. So, and the other thing is that um, where you say they work against each other, you think of it as this like sort of a, there's like a, it's sort of a complicated chart. It's like on one side, you have how many hours per day or per week you actually, you know, exercise with like a capital E workout. And then the other side, the other one is like how much daily activity um, do you get at the lower end of the uh, lower end of the spectrum? Kind Walking, like moving around, things like that, right? And so people who tend to work out really, really hard five times or more per week, they've got a lot of energy because otherwise they wouldn't be working out that much, right? So they're probably move, they're probably getting more of that neat anyway. So when they looked at some of these earlier studies, I think that they didn't take some of that stuff into consideration. So when they're looking at people who work out five times per week, they're going, oh, they're pretty healthy. Yeah, because mm -hmm. they're also doing all this other stuff too. Mm -hmm. But when you sort of separate people who work out a lot, if you take them out and look at them out in isolation, people who work out a lot but don't do, but have ultra sedentary jobs. Yeah, have low neat. Then we see some of those same complications and like probably the ones you work out five times are not as bad as one through three because it sort of spreads that that exercise period over over the week so um i like that they've started to take more of these uh more in-depth studies in these things yeah it's fantastic actually the uh, la times just had an interesting short editorial video on that and we're going to put that in the show notes that you can see it's about a two minute video with some really nice data that um they put out that you know, within a 15-year period, they were following people who sit for their jobs. And, you know, people who sat more had a significantly increased um, risk of dying. And it, it's not a small deal. You know, we're all living longer. But the quality of life in the latter seasons of life isn't amazing. And so if we can do something in our, some of our listeners are in their 20s, but in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s to prevent what's going to come later. How amazing is that? Just through doing all day movement and all day movement is so much easier than exercise. I remember back when I was doing more work in the fitness world, how difficult it was for somebody to start carving away three or four or five hours for targeted exercise. You have to drive to the gym, you have to get special clothes, you have to get special shoes, you have to buy a membership, you have to pay somebody to watch you that you don't drop a dumbbell on your head. Whatever it is, right? It's so much effort and it's costing money and now you have to wear these um, particular clothes and now you have to wash them. Like You are looking at so much more effort to start doing structured exercise as opposed to doing all-day movement, which could just be Roland and I are just standing here right now and we're changing the position in which we're standing often. Or throughout the day, we're doing particular strategies that we're going to share with you in the next few minutes here that really don't require that you get out of your work suit or out of your work environment or really interrupt life so much. And it doesn't, it's kind of like low hanging fruit, but over the long run, it really accumulates to create incredible health compared to exercise, which not only does it require such a, there's like a high threshold to starting exercise. There's so many obstacles and barriers, and then it's hard to keep something like that long-term up. At the same time, there's higher risk of injury. How many people do you meet that have joined a gym or a group exercise mm -hmm. class yeah. and they get injured and then it's months and months. And I see that in my work because I specialize in working with pain. I see people who haven't exercised in a year 
but they're not doing anything instead. So all day movement and all day movement strategies, thinking of natural movement and how our ancestors used to do it, is the way to go, in my opinion. I think so. And And I think embracing this idea that natural movement and movement throughout the day is a is a is is such a good thing is really it opens up people's minds because i think the the bear one of the big barriers both a actual barrier like a fundamental barrier was time the amount of time people had and that is like i used to work out four to five times per week um, at the gym and you have to plant like i would either have to go first thing in the morning so i didn't have to shower twice right because we're um, in California. Yeah. <laughs> or at the end of the day, you know, so then, but then I have to shower again, you know, so like, it's like, so I would go in the morning, come home, shower one time for shower. But then like you have to, then that's only a specific time you could do it. If I take my gym bag with me so I could go in lunch or right after work, then that's a different thing because do I have enough time to shower and, and stop sweating <laughs> before I can put my suit back on or my business casual clothes and not sweat through my clothes um then it's like how many do i have to make sure i have my gym bag ready and how many like make sure to wash them or i have to have enough gym clothes for every day because i have to be able to throw them in the hamper so it's like all these mental barriers and not that exercise is bad but thinking that only a hard exercise like that is the only way to go um, is a barrier, is a mental barrier, a time barrier, a clothing barrier, a money barrier, all these things. Well, and I think we have created in our culture, and I think the fitness culture, uh, which we more or less are still a part of in some overlap of our work, we have put out this message for so many years that you have to work hard, that you have to get your heart rate up, that it almost like it's pointless to just go and just kind of move the air in the gym. You have to really, really work hard that people who don't enjoy it, because there's exercisers and non-exercisers, and people who don't really enjoy working hard have really not taken the opportunity to just move. And our bodies need movement. Exercise is a culture. Fitness is a culture. But it's not human necessity. Mm-hmm. And I find that the more we have these conversations um, and I could have this conversation every day with someone where I'm trying to explain how, hey, taking the stairs, parking your car farther, like all these things, what kind of shoes you wear, what kind of clothes you wear, all these things matter to how much movement your body's going to get. But it almost requires a redefining of what movement is. Because if movement is, I just reached overhead and used the tall hangers in my closet versus the low ones, if this is what we define as movement, then nobody's as opposed to it. As if we define movement as I buy myself a bicycle and I bike three times a week, now we're having a completely different conversation. Yeah, let me give you a real-life example, real-life client, although I'm going to call him Dave just to be, uh, just to to, to obfuscate, just to to throw you guys off of who it really is. But Dave... Uh, he bought all of our books. He bought other books. He bought Lou Schuler's book, all these weightlifting books. And But he never felt like he had the time to go to the gym. Mm. So he didn't do anything, right? So I talked to him once and I said, you know, like you could do all these other things. Like here, listen to this podcast. And it happened to be a podcast that we wrote about what we did about walking. He listened to that and he started walking. So then he started walking, subscribing to other podcasts, reading audio books. And he said, wow, you know, I'm, I'm actually losing weight. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually feeling better. I'm feeling more energetic in the other parts of my life. And then he said, well, what else can I do? And I said, well, I mean, put your Fitbit on. And like, I challenge you to put your Fitbit on and vacuum the house. And he did. And he's like, oh, wow, that's pretty good. 
it's going to make my wife happy too, because mm -hmm. I'm going to do so. He's been doing gardening. And I said, you know, instead of making more trips, uh, loading up from the garage, making one trip, make like five trips, um, squat more, get up and down and kneel and stand up, kneel and stand up, do all these different things. And so he's sort of a changed man mm -hmm. just from doing just like normal, natural things, realizing that that gives him the exercise and the movement that he needed. And he didn't necessarily just have to go to the gym. Good job, Dave. Good job, Dave. So in a very kind of short couple of minutes, I'm just going to define for you, the listener, what we consider movement. And when we talk about all-day movement and all-day movement strategies, uh, that you can have some, some sort of a common understanding with us. What we mean by movement is any change in body position or the geometry of your body. So if your arms are by your side right now and you lifted your arms above your head, that's considered movement. If you squat down to um, take the socks out of the bottom drawer, that's considered movement. And if you're cooking, that's also considered movement. And if you're playing with your kids, that's also considered movement. And down on the very um, kind of more minute or microscopic body level, things like chewing, things like swallowing, Things like breastfeeding are also considered movements. And uh, those of you who have read Move Your DNA by Katie Bowman um, know how she classifies those things as such as breastfeeding and chewing as movements that we are now missing in our culture. So just think about any sort of change, including breathing, because breathing is a movement that has its own biomechanics and its own effect on your whole body system. And all movements give you different benefits, right? So you think about when you go from that walk, walking, squatting, things like that, and then you switch to, move, to, to chewing, you think, oh, wow, like big whoop. Like chewing is not a big deal. Blinking is not a big deal, right? But all these things have different molecular benefits and different health benefits. So if you go on like an all smoothie diet and you stick to that for a couple of months, you know, there's going to be atrophy and certain parts of the muscles and things like that. So just consider it. It's not about, it's not always about calories and it's not always about um, sweating and heart rates. It's about a variety of movements for a variety of whole body health. Yeah. And if you go on the more inside level, you can look at all the organs and systems in the body and there are particular systems like your lymphatic system, the system that your body uses for immunity and for detoxification and transportation that doesn't have a pump. Like that system cannot pump itself, kind of like the cardiovascular system. If you stop moving, you still have the heart that can do some of the extra work for you while you're sitting, but your lymphatic system will not work. So things like your ankles are swelling and you're getting tired and you have fatigue and you're getting sick often in winter might be attributed to the lack of um, lymphatic flow. And we don't think about that until we actually start getting sick and going, oh, wow, like, why is this thing happening to me? It's happening to you because there's no one pumping your lymph around and you have to start moving. And what do compression socks do that we wear on airplanes on long flights? They do that. They stimulate the skin, which stimulates some of the movement of the lymphatics. But ideally, that should be coming from the inside, not from the outside. Good. So we wanted to share with you some very simple things that you can do. Having information is empowering, but in order to have transformation, you actually need to do something. Let's do it. And we're big on that, helping you do what you need to do. So Roland's going to share some work strategies, and I'm going to share some before work strategies. And then we're going to share a little bit about how our days go as far as movement. Okay.
So what can you do before you even start work that can tremendously help you with all day movement? Think about the things that you do in the morning and how you can add more movement to them. For example, as soon as you get up, the first thing that you do, it might be maybe you're brushing your teeth. Hey, which is movement. That's awesome. If you have an electrical toothbrush, maybe switch to a manual one. That's also more movement and it gives you more and different control. And while you're brushing your teeth, maybe you can walk back and forth. You don't have to be still in one place, staring at yourself in the mirror. Maybe you can do a calf stretch. Drop your heels off the stairs or use your half dome. If you're one of those half dome calf stretching people like we are. Put maybe, a ball on the ground and roll your foot around. Yeah, put a ball on the ground, roll your foot around. You're moving little parts of your feet that won't get movement throughout the day because you'll be on flattened level or in shoes or at work or in your car. So move those parts that have been sleeping all night. That's something you can stack. You can multitask. So you're doing your brushing your teeth and something else. Then what's the next thing you do? For me, that's... Uh, boiling some water and while I'm boiling water I'm, which is not the movement I'm usually yeah I'm not actively boiling the water the stove <laughs> is boiling the water but we kind of we use a gas stove so the water takes a little while to boil and while it's doing that the stairs are right across so I'm stretching my upper body or I'm doing some movements uh, along the wall I'm doing something or I'm going up and down stairs or I'm squatting on the stairs and off the stairs. So I'm doing some movement while that water is boiling. And then something that I personally love to do is to go out for a short walk, even if it's a five minute walk. Um, our neighbors have some roses that I like to visit and smell in the morning. So I'll actually make my coffee and take it with me. And I go outside and do a very, very short walk. It also helps with light rhythms, as you know from our podcast with Sean Stevenson and from our book uh, with the sleep chapter. So that blue light in the morning is also very important. So I'm kind of getting it all in. So what are some things you can do in the morning? I go out and do a little walk. Maybe you can do a five-minute stretching routine or a 10-minute stretching routine like we have in our Everybody Moves program. So what is something that you can do in the morning, either as you're doing your regular other movement or in addition to that, to kind of put a little bit of movement in your bank account. Because the next thing you know, you'll be on public transport or in your car. Mm -hmm. In some way, you will be still. So how can you put some not stillness before the stillness comes? Um, and then Roland's going to take it on from here about what to do once you get to work. And work might be at home. So that gives you a bit more, um, yeah, a bit a, more flexibility. Yeah, I do work a little bit from home. So that's a little bit different. Here at home, I, um, you know, I keep the coffee in the other room and I go back to refill it. So I get up. Um, I try to, I often set a timer, whether I'm at work or whether I'm physically at home. I set a timer. I like the Pomodoro app, which is about 25 minutes on and then gives me a five minute break where I get up and I like to walk around. I really do like to go outside during that minute. Even if I, if I have to call a client, I'll usually walk and talk at that point. And um, it's nice to get outside, get the sun, especially in the morning. And, um, and then it's back. I like to, when I come back, I don't like to go back to the same position. So I have a laptop, so it's easy to pick it up and you know, sit down at the table or sit down at a low table on the floor. Or I can't squat, but Galena can squat. Um, and but Or I sit it on the counter. We have a couple of counters of slightly different heights. And we also have little boxes that we use to do standing desks of different heights as well. So... All sorts of different things. Sometimes I even stack them up on books. When I'm at clients, I do the same thing. They were laughing at me the other day because I took a box and 
instead of sitting, I took a box and stacked it up and put my, uh, my laptop there and started showing them things rather than they're like, well, have a seat. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty good standing here because then I can just mm-hmm. walk back and forth. So I do enough sitting. I do a lot of sitting in the car, just driving to clients, driving home, um, driving to run errands and things like that, that I don't need, um, you know, I try to avoid sitting for prolonged periods of time. But sometimes I do get tired of standing for a long period of time, especially if it's a hard floor. And uh, so I will take a break sitting, but then I just like to try to sit differently and remind myself to get up. So would you say as somebody who has more of a corporate job, because you have a, mm-hmm. a daytime job, would you say that your maybe what I'm hearing is your three main strategies are getting up like every 30 minutes or so mm-hmm. with the Pomodoro app. Then when you get up and come back, either changing your position or being a little bit more dynamic about how you sit mm-hmm. and then doing some sort of a break, either walking or I didn't hear you say anything about exercise or maybe doing some stretching or something. Yeah. Like a lot that. of times, like if I'm on a, on a conference call or a webinar or something like that, I can stand and I kind of kind of walk around and pace. And that's when I will often do the, um, like the calf stretching or, um, if, if there's something high that I can sort of hang on to sort of stretch my lats, things like that, I will do that type of thing. Um, I have trouble concentrating when I'm doing a stretch, so I can't mm. really be stretching and talking and writing or something mm. like that because I lose, uh, one loses, either either I lose the stretch or I lose <laughs> the my train of thought. Yeah, but those are good at work strategies mm-hmm. that, that you can do. And we're going to link in the resources. There's um, a fantastic um, book resource for you called Don't Just Sit There uh, by our friend and mentor, Katie Bowman. And there is a program that she created together with that. We have our own program that mm-hmm. we've created to and help. And I'm in the Don't Just Sit There program, too. Like, I'm not, like, featured. But you'll see a lot of my pictures. Pictures of me. <laughs> I'm one of the victims. Pictures of Roland. The model. The fitness model. I remember when you spent that day in L.A. shooting that. And you came back and said, those people have a $2,000 chair that you can sit on <laughs> cross-legged. And I love that chair. It's called the Soul Seat. It's beautiful. Um, you know, since this podcast is going to sell tens of thousands of copies <laughs> of our program, maybe we can get that chair. But it's such a luxurious. It's like... You know, it's like you see somebody with a Maserati. It's like, why do you need that car? Like, you could do so much good in the world with that money. That's how I feel about that chair. It's like, $2,000 for a chair? It's just it's just a crime. We can do so much good with that money in the world. But I love it. Yeah. My birthday's coming up. Mm-hmm. So, back to the strategies. We have these strategies before work, at work, and then coming back home at night. Mm-hmm. Um I'm going to chime in here to say you come home. I come, come home at night with much less energy than I had when I was leaving in the morning. Mm-hmm. And it's so much harder at night to be dynamic in my sitting and to take breaks. Like sometimes I just want to crash. But something that I've noticed is that at night is when I love doing my foam rolling and self-myofascial release with balls and stretching on the floor because the floor is kind of supporting my body weight and I can still do some movement and mobilize some body parts that didn't get um, moved throughout the day while I was at work, but I can I can do it with the floor supporting me. Okay. So even though I'm, I feel like I want to crash, I'm still not sitting. Okay. And for me, um, I you know I don't have as much I have I tend to have physical energy like low level physical energy left. 
And so I like to, I get home, I kind of settle down when Galena gets home, I look forward to taking a walk. So that's one of our times when I get in, like sort of make up whatever walking I didn't do, like the longer term walking. Because I get a lot of broken up steps throughout the day. So usually by the time I get home, I'm doing pretty good from an overall step count, as long as I'm willing to walk another 2,000 steps. So we usually walk to the grocery store, um, or take a, walk, a couple of walks around the block, different ways, exploring different neighborhoods or something like that before it gets too late and too, uh, too cold out. And um, I usually almost always have the energy for that if I have a partner. Yeah, I'm there to energize him. And it's interesting, some, day, some days I'm really tired from my work day. My, my mind is tired. I feel emotionally exhausted as well if mm-hmm. it's been a hard day at, at, the, at the studio. But once I start walking, it's like my energy picks back up. Awesome. And it's something that I have to keep reminding myself. Yeah, it doesn't. you don't feel like going out right now because you're tired. But your body, it's your mind that's tired. Your body still has a lot that it needs and a lot that it wants to give. And walking after meals, especially now in the summer, has been really cool. Yeah. Uh, I've been doing that at work, at lunch. And I've been doing that with you at home. And it's just been wonderful. And... I look forward to fall because I love it and I love the cooler Pumpkin weather. Pumpkin spices in the air. Pumpkin spices in the air. But at the same time, um, you know, I've really enjoyed our summer walks. Yeah. So uh, with this, we're probably going to round up and promise you guys a lot of good resources in the show notes so that you can take action. Uh, there's um, a couple of chapters in our book that address this directly. Um, there's a lot of good resources we've already written and published. Uh, But we're also going to link you to some cool books. I love Kelly Starrett's Deskbound. I love Katie's Don't Just Sit There. Um, There's a Death by Sitting book that I forget (laughs) the name of. Um, It's got a chair with a skull in it on the cover, but I forget the actual name of the book. But we're going to link that as well. And um, there's some cool infographics, all good information for you to be able to act on. And don't forget, you don't need to be an Olympian to start really putting some uh, investment in your um, quality of life bank account because you you can really do it with very simple things like standing, taking breaks, moving around, and just really being connected to your body. Baby steps. Baby steps. And every step counts. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day and we'll talk to you next time. Pumpkin spice everything. Pumpkin spice out. If you like today's show and want more episodes like it, you can help us by rating and reviewing the show wherever you subscribe. That means iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, or in the podcast app on your phone. Do you know somebody who can benefit from today's episode? Share it right now from the show notes, which you can always find at eatmovelive52.com slash notes. And that funk that's playing behind me, it's called Proto-Funk by Kevin McLeod. Thanks and talk to you soon. Thank you.